Friday from Chicago. This is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by progressive Derek Addis, U.S. Air Force veteran. Republican Jeff Hom, political director of the Young Republican National Federation. Democrat DePaul University professor Scott Hibbert. And Republican portfolio manager Kenton McCarthy. Our program tonight coming to you on home base at the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago. Thanks very much for joining us tonight. Got a full two hours of rock'em sock'em discussion because so much happened last week. In addition to the big news about the impeachment, other big things happened last week as well. And again, uh, one of the big things was happened is the president announced uh, a significant movement in the U.S.-China trade deal. And Kenton McCarthy, uh, welcome back to uh, Beyond the Beltway. You used to be a regular on this program over 20 years ago before you moved to Arizona, and we'll talk more about that a little bit later on, but you're a, you're a portfolio manager. In a list of all the things that people can say of either positively or negatively about Donald Trump, where would you put the China trade deal insofar as his legacy? Only to the extent that it affects the markets. Because we don't know the ins and outs. We don't know the details. We don't really care. No one really cares out there. Um, but if the markets treat it favorably, he can turn around and say, we'll see, I got another uptick in equity markets and take credit for that. Scott Hibbert from DePaul University joins us. Scott, yes. what's your answer to that same question? Uh, so it's uh, it's a positive thing in my mind insofar as it's kind of a de-escalation of the trade war. I think the trade war is actually not serving America's interests well. And my brother, who uh, runs a software company and does a lot of work in uh, China or in Asia, has been losing huge amounts of money. Um, but I think what you saw really was um, uh, China promised to do many things in the next two years in exchange for us to uh, cut some tariffs right now. Republican Jeff Hom. Jeff? Um, I think, you know, like the other two panelists, I think we got to kind of wait and see. But if it's as good as it could potentially be, I mean, it shows why in a Quinnipiac poll that two-thirds of uh, all the respondents have said that their, uh, their life has improved since 2016, since uh, Donald Trump has gotten elected or was inaugurated, um, with regards to their financial circumstances. Derek Addis, independent progressive. Yeah, so to echo Kenton's words, um, if it reflects well on the markets um, and it is a mutually beneficial relationship between our two nations, uh, then I can't do anything but say yes. Okay. Now, what about MCA? The House passed MCA last last week. Uh, even Nancy Pelosi said that it was, it was better than NAFTA. Uh, and again, uh, it wasn't all done by Democrats. It was one of the campaign promises, one of the main campaign promises uh, by Donald Trump. Uh, how important is that uh, win for the president? Because a lot of people didn't think the Democrats were going to give him any wins. Uh, yeah, so the ins and outs of it, I haven't seen for myself yet. Um, so I'd like to see that before I actually make a comment as to did the Democrats capitulate or did they do the right thing? So What do you think they did, Scott? Uh, I think they won. I think the, uh, I think the Trump administration capitulated. MCA is basically uh, the North American Free Trade Agreement light. Okay, so there's not that much difference. So the Republic, so Trump, Trump caved, yeah, and things you know, uh, you know, Trump caved on the, um, uh, or the Trump administration caved on the China uh, thing as well. He's having a bad week. He needs some victories. Um, 
So, you know, they're they're dealing. I, the Democrats I, I give it I give it a win for the Democrats because Pelosi didn't want the public to think that they were all they had was impeachmentitis, that they could actually do something positive in the midst of this impeachment process. So I, would, I, th- I think it's a net I think it's a net ad for them, not necessarily for Trump. Scott? Jeff. Jeff, I'm sorry. <laughs> ah, ah, name change. It's my dyslexic view tonight. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, so I would I would kind of agree with the assessment, but but disagree with the conclusion that Kenton just gave. I think it's actually a hedge against impeachment. It's that impeachment is actually shown to be a losing position in the polls as impeachment has worn on, public support has uh, deteriorated to the point where even a congressman from New Jersey is going to switch parties from Democrat to Republican. So this is, a, this is absolutely a stopgap for the Democrats in critical districts where they are getting hurt by impeachment. Do you agree with the assessment that uh, was just made? Um, well, yeah, to the extent that, I mean, I think that that individual who's uh, going to transition to Andrew, yeah, uh, that is totally politically driven, right? I mean, he doesn't want to lose an election, so he sees that the people in his purple state are trending. Red. You think, wait, wait, wait I'm sorry, local, you think New Jersey is a purple state? Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. he, he, well, that's what, I mean, exactly. he flipped it, right? Didn't he flip that seat yeah. initially from red to blue? So I think if you're looking at it, I mean, the only reason why he's going from blue to red is because it's purple and he doesn't want to lose. Well, or I, he just took a poll inside his district and realized it's, yeah. it's better I understand for what you're him. Saying. I, I, think it's I understand what you're saying, Jeff. I'm sorry. Okay. Not like, the entire like state. Just because just this man's district. I'm sorry. Yeah. He made a political decision. Yeah, it's all politics. How many other, again, there's another 30 out there who are Democrats yeah. uh, who are running from districts where Trump won. How many other uh, many. fingers in the wind are we going to see um, that will only move if the polls tell them to move? I, I'm, I, I, I think the um, impeachment is uh, doing more damage to the Trump brand and the Republican brand than anyone else. Um, I think the, Democrat, or the Republicans have come off terribly in these hearings. Um, I think, in particular, particularly when it gets to the Senate, there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of uh, Republican senators going to be really worried about um, how they're going to vote on this. Do you agree with that, Kenton? Not at all. I didn't I, think so. I Why? disagree. Not at all. I, want, I want to hear them Not from the Republicans because Susan first of all, Collins of Maine these are gonna, fighting words. These are fighting is, words. When we talked before the show, you asked where I was on the Trump spectrum. Yeah, I like Trump. The, the most thing, the, what I like most about Trump is the reaction that he's caused in D.C. Mm. Yes. Because he's not an ideologue. He, he, he's got command and swagger, which is, which is abhorred in that town. So this impeachment process is, is not even a legal process. It's, it's a campaign process. So Are the Democrats winning that at the moment? Though? I don't think so. Okay. Not, I don't think so. I mean, not since the IG I th- report I think, came I think out. The, le- the left has, has turned... America into that taped banana on the wall, <laughs> and Trump is the guy who peels it off the wall and eats the banana. <laughs> I, well, I got to respond mean, to that. Okay. First of all, it's, it's, a t- it's a totally legal process. It's a constitutional process. It's a constitutional it's process, but it's yes, not a legal it's all, process. It's, There's a and, difference. And the actions that the president's taken have been demonstrably illegal. There are a lot of there's a lot of illegality going on within the Trump uh, within the the Trump community. Um, I think at the end of the day, this is going to play well for the uh, Democrats. And I think it, it, if, it can't play well for the Democrats if you can't disassociate Trump from from his supporters. If that's the biggest problem, that's the biggest objective, and that's what's got them stuck. Well, I, if I the president's that, action, I have a Derek, question Derek, real quick. Derek. So what I what I see as the biggest problem 
is every decision that's being made right now is based upon holding their elected office, which I think is is an impeachable offense for every elected official when your sole purpose is to uphold the Constitution and, and the rights of the people. So, you know, for, um, for uh, Lindsey Graham to say, I'm sorry, uh, it was Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell. One of yeah. I can't remember. One of them said, "You know, I already know how I'm going to go with the. I'm working with the Both Trump the administration. Yeah. You know, like how, how can you? Uh, no juror, Waters no, juror, has a, said, no juror in this country could be uh, put on a jury and say, I already know this person's guilty before the trial started.' Maxine Waters or, or that, said that she work. decided on impeachment in 2016. Back shortly. One eight hundred seven two three eighty twenty nine. I'm Bruce Dumont. From the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From Bandstand to Gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. Experience the pure holiday magic of Goodman Theatre's A Christmas Carol. For over four decades, the heartwarming story of Scrooge's discovery of kindness and empathy has enchanted more than a million theatergoers of all ages. The Chicago Tribune calls it a beloved holiday tradition that tugs at all the right heartstrings. Performances run November 16th through December 29th only. Get tickets for A Christmas Carol today at goodmantheatre.org. Bruce Dumont back, and uh, during the break, uh, we were talking about capitalism, and uh, Kent McCarthy put on the record some of the things you said during the break because we had a good, uh, a good discussion. Uh, I, okay. Bri- briefly. <laughs> you can do this. Yeah, I can, can do, do this. this. Summarize uh, it. I was, you know my dad. I was raised a Milton Friedman, Hayek, von Mises, uh, U of C purist. Okay. We should mention, by the way, for the audience, who may remember you when you were a regular 20 years ago on this or program. Or may choose to forget. Your father and my father were very, very good Correct. friends. Correct. Go ahead. Correct. We both know the actual Goldwater. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so we talked about the World Trade Organization. We talked about uh, free markets and free trade. The WTO, what, what's going on with these trade talks in China, I think are more designed to keep Walmart's supply chain intact than anything else. The people of Hong Kong don't matter. The Uyghur Muslims in Western China don't matter. The only thing that matters is do we get enough cheap goods to supply Walmart? Are our Titleist clubs cheap? And do they keep buying Boeings and Treasury notes? Do you agree with that, Scott? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we have agreement here. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually disagree with that we like, have a disagreement whole, wholeheartedly. That is not – so, so what Kenton said in, uh, in the break was about against unfettered capitalism. The idea that the United States economic system is unfettered capitalism is a myth perpetrated by the left. How is it right? fettered? It is fettered all over the place by regulatory agencies. I mean, the idea that it's just you know laissez-faire or any of that kind of stuff is is completely unsupported by any of the um, thousands of pages in the Federal Register that that fetter capitalism. I mean, right? is it, is now, I'm what, not arguing yeah. for unfettered capitalism, okay. okay? That's fair. However, that is a straw man argument that, yes, set it to fire, set it fire, right? Yeah. I don't care, right? But, 
because most of the distortions you see in the market, like the Export-Import Bank, which is uh, a big um, proponent of Boeing, is because of the government directly meddling in the economy. That is not unfettered capitalism. But I think what you've seen is uh, since the 1980s onward, you've seen a systematic dismantling of the regulatory agencies. And having worked in government, I'll tell you, um, like the FCC is not capable of regulating the, you know, the, uh, the big telecom companies. And what we saw with the 2008 financial collapse is the regulatory agencies that are meant to be uh, regulating Wall Street just are not up to the task. So well, they, were, they were they were no shows. Yeah, and, I, and so I think Kenton is his point is is very valid. I mean, we have a much more unregulated economy. Um, and I had a front row seat f throughout the 0708 crisis. Yeah. I saw everything unfold in front of me, and it is it is criminal what people got away with. And Amen. there is and the yeah. only prosecutions were a small Chinese-owned bank that got dinged for some technicality, for some process crime. But but that is that is the United States regulatory uh, regime in a nutshell, right? If you do what we say you could do, we're going to vilify you and then uh, give license to people to say that you committed some crime when you didn't, right? You did exactly what you were being asked to. You look at the ratings agencies. Right? These were government-sanctioned agencies that refused to devalue debt, even though everything on their books was telling them to do it. Because why? Because the regulatory agencies were telling them to do that. No, that is no, regulatory it's not, capture. It's not because regulatory this is not unfettered were capitalism. Not unregulated is because everyone looked the other way. Because the regulators were looking the other way. When Warren Buffett makes hundreds of millions of dollars rating crap mortgages as AAA, and they get sold around the globe into pension funds, yeah. mm -hmm. and nothing happens, if there's anyone that should be breaking big rocks into little rocks, it's that guy. Wow. It, but <laughs> the whole reason that securitization, right? So, it is broken so, out amongst our Republicans. So, so, so <laughs> securitization, right? This is how you want to talk about stuff you wrote papers on, right? Securitization yeah. is the whole reason well, that that, that why be, uh, became was, opaque, right? Yeah. Securitization, again, stamped by all of the regula uh, regulatory agencies that had government explicit backing. And, and, right? and, and, and regulatory and, capture, and, this is not unfettered capitalism. And half of and them are SROs, and half of them are SROs. They're funded by their clients yeah, yeah. who end up writing the books and stacking the deck. Right. Yes, I, and I wanna, the only reason you can do that is because the federal regulatory agencies allow them to do it. Yeah, but just because you're allowed to do something doesn't mean you should do it. I'm, I'm not so arguing that, that at all, but this is not that. unfettered capitalism. Gentlemen, right? I want to any... interject here. I, I want to kind of switch gears uh, back to something that uh, uh, Chuck Todd said that I normally don't oh. quote Chuck Todd. But Chuck Todd today, when he was going through the litany of things that had happened last week in addition to impeachment, he talked about that he thought that the American people basically were just shrugging their shoulders, that there really wasn't anything, nothing themed, seemed, everything seemed so ordinary. There wasn't any outrage, even when he sent uh, uh, his people out to Kent County in Michigan uh, to interview their, their local you know, man on the street uh, discussion. Uh, people weren't upset about impeachment. Nobody was saying that, you know, I can say in this program, if we're, we're not talking about impeachment right now, but we, we haven't received a lot of calls about impeachment. When I've gone to, to parties, they're not talking about impeachment. I'm looking around the room. Does anybody 
Can anybody say that impeachment is nope. top of mind for anybody? You no, live in Arizona. No. You live. We all live in no. Illinois. In, is that in my, my, my community? In my community, there is, and college okay. campuses is big. Okay. Um, and by the way, um, I am from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and Kent County is my home. That's right, my home county. Okay, but, um, but, but I, I get the point. And I think the larger issue, though, is there's just so much going on this week. It's a lot. I right. mean, it's it's crazy. I, don't, I, don't, I think th- I think this started before yeah. the. the the turbulence of this past week. I think right. it is a it's a snoozer for the American people. They see it more as indicative of how Washington works or doesn't work. And they'd rather look away and look at other issues that impact them. My two I senators would, don't mention it. I would argue because of the, go ahead. I would argue that it's Jeff. because the Democrats are just clearly out to get uh, the president, right? So it started out, he's a Russian agent. Oh, no, no, he's not a Russian agent, but he colluded. Oh, no, 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 he didn't collude, he obstructed. Oh, no, 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 uh, it's quid pro quo. Oh, no, 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 it's bribery. Oh, no, no, and whatever they put in the articles of impeachment this week. They just keep moving the goalposts, and nobody pays attention do you, anymore. Do you believe that, um, because the news media has played a major role in, in fanning, leading the this, fanning the flames on this narrative, do you believe that the American people already have made a choice? In other words, they're basically they're going to tune out the campaign for the next eleven months. They've already it's it's baked. They they may think Donald Trump is a jerk, but you know they like what he said. They they like some people like what he says and the way he says it. A lot of people don't. But those but decisions, they like where they are, but right they now. like where they are. They like the policies that he's talking about. That he stands up, you know. That, that in, in their view, he's standing up for America. He's keeping campaign promises. And do you think right now? I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask our Republicans. I'll ask the Democrats as well. Do you think this campaign is really over, and that Donald Trump is sailing <laughs> to a landslide reelection? Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, it. Most of that depends on who the Democrats put up, but. If the current course continues, right? You look at if you look at the things, the, the issues that actually matter to families, right? Kitchen table issues. The economy's good. Unemployment is is historically low, especially amongst blacks and Latinos. Yeah, but that, um, that's part of the let, gig. Let, that's, him, yeah, let, him, let him finish. Yeah, like none of this arcana of Washington D.C. really is anything people tune into, right? We all tune into it, obviously, and and so do our listeners, but. I don't think that it's something that moves the needle, especially because it's been going on for two years. Kenton. I don't, in finance, I don't use the word – in finance and relationships, I don't use the word should. I think it's one of the most toxic, <laughs> damaging words you could use. I also don't use it in politics. I don't know what should happen. I don't know what's going to happen. All I do know is that if the democratic field consists the way it does today, it's going to be an easy ride for him. The big variable is Hillary. Hmm. Who you think may get in? Wait, wait, wait. I think she. Okay, I want to. I want to. I want to get to our Democrats. Derek, your response. Uh, They think it's over. I didn't say it was over. I said it's pretty close. Trending in the right direction. Yeah, no, I think people forget, um, you know, as much as, yes, the Electoral College is how the president won, um, there was more people that voted for the Who cares? Other. Who cares? Doesn't no, mean I, anything. I hear that. Well, all well saying, Democrats always say, but who cares? No, I hear you. I mean, but, so is, that, I, is that insulting the audience when you keep bringing that up? Uh, no, I think it's— ins- it doesn't mean anything. I think it's insulting when, um, when you know, on the red side, when I hear Gates and all these other people, they continuously say—they speak on behalf of the American people when they're really only speaking on behalf of half of the half. Which is fair. Speak for your half, but say it in those terms. Don't don't mis mis uh, use words and say, "Well, the American people voted for this and all this." Like, just be honest and say, "Half of the half." Well, the voted other for side this. Is, so, that, is that you think that LA and New York should elect presidents? 
No. <laughs> well, Illinois well, and Texas, too. Uh, right? No, I mean, I, I, I understand the argument for, you know, why the Electoral College was created in the first place. But I think we're, you know, 200 some odd years later, it's a far different place. Now, my this device in my hand allows me to be as connected to a, a rural farmer as it does to uh, someone that works downtown the problem, in Chicago. Well, then, the problem then, I want to hear from Scott. I want to hear from I want to hear from Scott. I want to hear from Scott about about the. Uh, so, I mean, they're they're. He's pulling his plug a little. Uh, so yeah. we still have time, right? It's but, maturing. Yeah. So first things first. There's a smugness, yeah. amongst some Republicans. So first things first. Uh, Eleven months is a very. very you. No, Not eleven you. months is, is a lifetime in politics. It is. It's, it's a, a long time. time. It's a long time. If the stock market has a dip somewhat time in the summer, boom! There goes your good feelings. And I'll tell you, you know, Donald Trump has huge negatives. And, you know, the one challenge that, uh, uh, that Hillary Clinton faces, there was no energy to, you know, get out and vote for her. I'll tell you, Democrats will be mobilized in the fall. Well, we're already mobilized so, now. Well, it's not the Democrats, but as far as independents and people who support. Do you not think the support, Republicans you know. will be mobilized? Um, so, you know, if Donald Trump— I think based the, on Donald, what happened last week, I hey, think Republicans are going to be mobilized. Here's the, the, I think, I think when, when you're at 95 percent support amongst Republicans— a lot of those people are fuming about what's going on because it's, it's indicative of what's not being done but in I, Washington. I, I can Let's tell you family members that will not vote for that I that vote for Trump last time, uh, my family members who will not vote for Trump. Yes, but time. Scott, where are we? We're in well, a very blue a, city in, in a very blue state. He's in Kent County, Michigan. Those people count. one 800 723 Yeah, if you're coming from a red state or a blue state, you know, just write the check, but... Uh, if you're from the key counties, you'll decide the next president. Uh, we'll talk more about that when we come back. And also, what will the next year do to the body politic? If it's gnashing teeth, what happens? The economy is not working for everybody, especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers? Or require E-Verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA, because numbers count. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives, like physical therapy, to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. Is this a bio? Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much for joining us. And at this point, we're going to let all of our guests introduce themselves. And we're going to begin with Scott Hibbard. Uh, good night or good evening. Uh, so yes, I'm Scott Hibbard. I teach in the political science department at DePaul University, and before that, I lived and worked in Washington D.C. for about 20 years. 18 years at DePaul. Uh, so, well, this is my 15th year. 15th year at DePaul. Okay. Yeah. And go ahead, Jeff Holm. Uh, my name is Jeff Holm. I'm the political director for the Young Republican National Federation, which is a nationwide organization of young Republican clubs. Uh, as my capacity as a political director, we uh, oversee um, campaign activities, meaning deployments. Um, one of our most successful deployments recently, or two of the most su successful deployments recently, were for David Cameron in Kentucky, um, as well as uh, Testa in South Jersey. Are you ever called uh, to uh, uh, help the president when he goes and ha has one of these big rallies, or is that separate from... 
um, your activities. That's typically separate. We're an adjunct of the RNC, right? So we're not technically in that same organization. Um, but we do a lot of uh, get out the vote method or um, get out the vote work. How many of your members really like Donald Trump? Um, I would say, I mean, people who are actually YR members, I would say probably upwards of 80 percent. Okay. Derek Addis. Uh, yeah, uh, my name is Derek. Um, I'm an Iraq veteran, a DePaul MBA, uh, founder of Philomathy Marketing, uh, and I just started a podcast. Uh, so if you want to check it out, it's on YouTube. It's called The DA Perspective, um, and I'd appreciate you all tuning in. And uh, what did you do in Iraq? Um, other than try to stay alive and help <laughs> everyone else around me stay alive. Yes, um, well, that's important. Yeah, so um, the first tour, uh, we patrolled outside the wire to ensure that the uh, main supply routes were safe, safe passage. Uh, and then the second time, um, I was physical security uh, NCO. So I actually helped facilitate uh, having uh, an, uh, uh, changing the ratio of armed service member to Iraqis so that more Iraqis could come on base and fix the connexes that were utilized in the drawdown of Iraq. When you were through with your uh, public service uh, and service in the military, did you feel good about your investment in those years and that you really had made at least a small piece of the world better because you were there? Um, I, I like to think that uh, the individuals that I met over there, the, the, the local nationals, um, I would I like to think that I left them with the impression that while they may have had bad experiences with coalition members, um, that when they looked into my eyes and I spoke to them, that they knew that I gave I, I cared about them. Um, I have my own reservations about the Iraq war and, and the things that transpired over there. But uh, I think that I'll leave it at that. Kendon McCarthy. Uh, my name Welcome is back. <laughs> Thank you. Kenton McCarthy. I grew up in suburban Chicago. I was raised in a household deeply steeped in both jazz and politics, and for a long time, um, I made Rush Limbaugh look like a Bolshevik. <laughs> Did my undergrad at TCU and ended up getting my MBA at ASU just a few years ago where I occasionally teach corporate finance and spent 20 plus years on the investment banking side of Wall Street and just recently started my own consulting and advisory firm where I help cities and public bodies manage their portfolios. If you are a long-time listener to this program, listeners more than viewers, you may remember that 20 years ago, this is you know, the show we're celebrating our 40th anniversary, but 20 years ago, Kenton McCarthy was a regular guest on this program. Since 92. For a long, long time. You did the whole my Clinton first, impeachment. My first show was Jesse Jackson Sr., and I <laughs> thought I was going to get filleted. <laughs> <laughs> How did it oh, go? Man. Do you recall? It, it went well, because remember, I got then I was invited to teach business at yes. Malcolm X for a semester right. by Coretta. That's right, by Coretta, by Coretta McFerrin. Coretta McFerrin, who was also a regular African-American yeah. conservative Republican in those days. And also, by the way, and I, I, I talked uh, before we went on the air that, that you don't mind talking about this, but uh, uh, a number of years ago, uh, you were told that you have cancer. Correct. And you've been fighting it for how long and where is that I, now? I had, now? A, I had a sarcoma taken out of my leg in 2010, told that it could resurface it likes to come back in the lungs and it did Ooh. and you're in town one of the reasons why you're in town is to come back to northwestern university yeah i was in hospital talk about irony i was born at northwestern hospital <laughs> and i'm now getting cancer treatment at northwestern hospital they yeah. do great work and i trust them 
Well, thank you all for being with us this evening. And again, a reminder, uh, this program is kept going by the support of people like you who are listening to this program and watching this program. I call your attention to our GoFundMe campaign. If you like this program and want to keep it going, uh, the satellite delivery of the program is something that's it's, it's rather expensive, and your support in keeping the show going is greatly appreciated. You go to the GoFundMe.com, look up Beyond the Beltway. You'll see that we're over 50% now. Uh, in our goal for this year. But if you've not yet done it, you know, uh, uh, every, every liberal in America has an opportunity to donate to their local public television station or public <laughs> radio station. If you are, uh, if you like this program, let me just put it that way, because I think we have a lot of liberals that listen to this program as well. But if you like this program and our, our plan to have a balanced discussion, hopefully a, a civil discussion each and every week, as we've done for the last uh, 39 and a half years, uh, you can keep the show going by making a contribution to our GoFundMe campaign. I will tell you that every cent will all go to the satellite delivery of the program. That's where the money goes. And again, uh, last week we had a huge response in our second week. And so uh, if you want to do that again this week, we thank you very much for doing so. I want to get back to our discussion about, uh, about what the next year is going to be like, because everyone is projecting and thinking that uh, that there's going to be gnashing of teeth. People are not going to, they can't wait to get out to, to, uh, to vote either for or against Donald Trump. Are you worried about the tone of what that campaign might look like? Because some, next November, Donald Trump is either going to win or he's going to lose. What's going to happen to the country at that particular point? I'm going to start with you, Derek. I... I hope that some form of reconciliation can happen um, for however the vote uh, ends up. Um, on my, my podcast recently, actually, I was telling someone, you know, I would love nothing more than a 90% vote, meaning 90% of the population turn out, turn out right? And if, if, if a large majority, obviously the winning majority, of that 90% turned out and it went like to not the candidate that I chose, I, I can't fight that. Right. I have to go with what what's what the uh, people around me are, are saying, you know. And so I hope that in the next election, something in a similar fashion happens. I think the problem we have right now, it, the problem that we've had since I was born is the two party system. It only leads for us against them. I would like something along the lines of a multi party system to where it's like this party won and these other groups can kind <coughs> of, uh, you know, come together and say, well, you know what? The best of three or the best of five or something like that one i think not having the binary would allow for something better to happen jeff um i would respectfully disagree with regards to uh the parliamentary democracy as opposed to a madisonian democracy the the difference is not the, the us versus them it's when the coalition forms right in a madisonian democracy like the one we have the coalition forms before the voting in a parliamentary democracy the coalition forms after the votes are cast you see it happen just in um uh, in like for Ger in Germany, for example, or um, let me just interject. Sure, good answer, but answer the question that I asked. <laughs> What's going what, to what happen to happen this country in, in 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 real life day to day operation um, come next November election day? You you will not see that kind of landslide in a um, from a raw vote count. You may see one from an electoral college. Uh, 
point of view, uh, just like uh, the 2016 election. Do I think the Democrats are going to learn their lesson? I don't know. Signs will point the to, losers, signs point will to the no. losers accept the results? You know, the Democrats haven't accepted the results since 2016. That's where impeachment came out of. They've been fighting this for three years. Do I think when they lose again that they're going to accept it? No, because they, they can't, right? Because it, it's, it, it's something that they're so ensconced in their echo chamber that they can't possibly understand the way somebody could think a different position to them and it not be because they're racist or bigoted. I, I think it's, so, Scott here, okay, so uh, to answer your question, um, my real concern is not so much uh, societal, it's government. I mean, I just don't see anything happening in government for the next 11 months. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's not like it was really functional when you had a Republican House and Republican Senate, but now that you've got, you know, divided government, you're not going to see anything get through except, um, you know, a handful of judges coming out of the Senate and, uh, you know, maybe some spending bills where there's a you know, compromise. But there's, in terms of dealing with infra infrastructure, um, you know, dealing with climate change, dealing with any of the issues that are you know, facing this country, that's not going to happen from a governmental perspective. From a societal perspective, I think that uh, we're going to go back to kind of what we were alluding to a minute ago. People are going to kind of check out. I mean, I, I really, um, I mean, I think people are... Fewer voting? No, well, so I think, I think, I think by, by the time... After the big battle. I think by the time it comes to the vote, you know, people will be mobilized. But, um, you know, I was talking to another brother of mine out in the West Coast, and, you know, he's uh, in software development, and, you know, and they're just, they're doing their thing. You know, the economy's going, business is doing, is going on, and, and they don't really understand what's happening, you know, in Washington, and they are kind of moving in their own, in a, you know, in their own direction. And, and I think that that's... The long-term implication that people will, you know, kind of increasingly check out. Now, one last comment on this: I do want to get back to the impeachment. Um, Nancy Pelosi did not want to do the impeachment uh, inquiry. Right. She did not want to do this. It became so apparent that there was laws; be there were laws being broken. That the president was using his uh, his power of authority or the power of the presidency to manipulate another country to uh, to investigate his political rival in effect getting uh, a foreign country to interfere in, in, um, in the electoral process that she could not stand by. So, and so but this, she also had a very strong element within her party that was kind of known. They were, they were, yeah. Yeah, they were okay, adamant. So, but, right. but the thing is, but even the centrists realized that, you know, that this was egregious in a way that um, other things were not. And so that's, so why, that's why, why we're doing wh what we're doing. Why are none of those listed in the Articles of Impeachment? Uh, they are. No, they're not. There's, there's obstruction there's, of Congress. There's there's abuse of power and obstruction. Abuse of power. So that's what he just said, abuse of power. Okay, yeah. so if this come back, we're going to hear from Kenton when we come back because we do have to pause. 1-800-723-8289. And I want to hear from you. I mean, next November, there's going to be a winner again and there's going to be a loser again. How are you going to react? If you're on the losing side or the winning side, how are you going to react? And are we ever going to get back to a normal, a new normal? A new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cyndi Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From Bandstand to Gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. Experience the pure holiday magic of Goodman Theatre's A Christmas Carol. For over four decades, the heartwarming story of Scrooge's discovery of kindness and empathy has enchanted more than a million theatergoers of all ages. The Chicago Tribune calls it a beloved holiday tradition that tugs at all the right heartstrings. 
Performances run November 16th through December 29th only. Get tickets for A Christmas Carol today at goodmantheater.org. We are back on the air. Uh, Kendra McCarthy, you are up with the answer to the question that we were discussing at the end of the last segment, and that is, uh, on Election Day, what, what is the country going to be like in the future? Are we, we going to be constantly in a situation where family picnics and family gatherings are going to be, people are going to be worried about political warfare breaking out? Uh, some people are going to worry. Some people are going to be enthralled and invigorated. Here's what I like. We talked between the break. I like the fact that the biggest whistleblower in D.C. has been Donald Trump. He's a disruptor. That's why he's, he's more disliked because he's done that than anything else. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what I fear is we, we've not, with no disrespect to Charles Murray, but we've kind of flattened the bell curve. Everything is normal now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, that seventh standard deviation is now smack dab in the middle and gets every, every much mm-hmm. a pull in power as before. Mm. What I see, what scares me, is this increased sense of tribalism, yep. where it's not ideological, it's more cultural. And as I've said here before, I think culture explains more than race, religion, and gender mm-hmm. ever can or will. And we've got, we're, both parties are splitting up into these tribal elements that don't, they're not going to adhere to the traditional model. So things are going to get it, more fractured is it, is, is it as simple as the big cities against the rest of the country? Uh, is D.C. a big city? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Scott? So um, I, I like your idea about culture. I think that's that's a huge issue in terms of the polarization and uh, people fragmenting. The one thing I would add is uh, one of the challenges that uh, – one of the issues within American political life that fuels polarization is gerrymandering. And everyone does it. And if there's one reform we could change, it would totally ch- uh, change the tenor of, um, uh, of Washington, D.C., is get rid of gerrymandering. So, and, um, and so if you so – you just you know – had a uh, district that was 40 or 40% Republican, 40% Democrat, and 20% Independent, then you're going to have to go to the middle. Instead of having you know, 70% Republican, 70% Democrats, so you're always going to be catered I, I, to. I, 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 so as, as a Republican who grew up in the Chicago suburbs, who's literally never been represented in Congress by a Republican, I agree that gerrymandering is annoying and very frustrating, especially from a representation perspective. But how do you fix the fact that the fact that people don't spread out evenly? Well, what, again, what is the gerrymandering well, this, um, fix? So, uh, so I say this in part because I, I worked in Congress, and I worked in Congress back in the era when there was a lot more comity, as they say, C M M I T Y, and um, and people used to talk to each other, and there were liberal Republicans, and there were you know, uh, conservative Democrats, and you've seen a real realignment in this country. But one of the things that's been really detrimental is the gerrymandering where you, where you pack districts. Um, packing so, and cracking, absolutely. Um, yeah, so you have, and so you yeah. have these you know, oddly configured districts. And what, it, what happens is, in order to get elected, you have to cater to the extreme of your party, whether that's right-wing or left-wing. And the centrists, you know, and again, here I go back so, to my uh, Kent County roots, 
the Jerry Fords of the world, um, you know, the, um, the uh, whatever Bob Michaels of the world, they don't exist anymore. So I, you know, those centrists, I appreciate you know, the sentiment, don't exist anymore because they they can't get through the primary process um, in this country. And I'm I'm willing to believe that that you actually mean what you're saying. But, I totally mean what. But <laughs> given given the I'm state a of Illinois, child, given uh, well, the mother was a given, Democrat given, and a father was a Republican, given the state of <laughs> Illinois and how Illinois has some of the most ridiculous looking gerrymandered districts yeah. that are not drawn by Congress are drawn by state the state legislature yeah. who has the oldest serving speaker yeah. of the house in the country. Yeah. No, it, I, I agree. I just don't, it, I don't see where that goes. Illinois is functionally bankrupt as is Cook County in the city of Chicago. I don't think gerrymandering is the, the biggest concern they have. No, it's population outgrowth. At the end of a year though, we're talking about whether or not Republicans and Democrats will be able to come together and acknowledge who won the election. No. I don't think that's going to happen. Nope. The other the other institution that I think is going to continue to lose favor with the American people is the American media. So is yeah. mainstream media. I just whether you're left or right, you have you have reason to look at their look at their conduct and you can't it's hard to respect it. So, and I'm just thinking you, you what's going to happen you, in another year in another if we get another year of this Cheerleading for the Democratic position, or even even or at this at moment, the, 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 Fox the, News is uh, cheerleading for the Republican position. I I agree with that. Yeah, he, I agree with that. But what saying, I'm just yeah. saying is, in some cases, when you have CNN and you have MSNBC and you have NBC and you have ABC and to some Thank extent you. CBS. It's five against one. Right. And what I'm so, just saying how, is, how do you set up a church commission for the media? That, that's a good question. And, no. you know, you won't do it because the media will say will, they will yeah. not acknowledge that they have they've done anything wrong. Which is, and the yeah. fairness doctrine 2.0 is not the answer. They here. cannot yeah. deal with it. I mean, the, the, yeah. way, the, the people that were running network television four years ago in 2016, mm -hmm. they're still there. They yep. made all kinds of mistakes and nobody lost their jobs because like I said, well, Warren Buffett is well, still there. But 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 what we are seeing is people leaving mainstream media and turning towards independent journalism. That's true. And you, and, and that's evident because a number of years that ago they agree with though that they yeah, agree so with. That's fair. I don't think, I don't think okay. they're going to independent well, they are, yeah. journalism. They're going to either left wing or right wing journalism well, but that perpetuates their position. And that you can create or, a, you can create a brush fire in an instant with. The phone. With the tweet. With this these With the tweet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hold your hold your point. We gotta go to a break. 1-800-723-8029. Hour number one is in the rear view mirror, but another full hour coming up on Beyond the Beltway from Coast to Coast and Border to Border.
Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. The economy is not working for everybody, especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require e-verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA because numbers... GTG, BRB, OMW, be there in a few. You may think that these kinds of texts are fine because of their length, and you can easily send them at a stoplight. But no, answering one text can take your attention away from the road for five seconds. And traveling at 55 miles an hour, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Make good decisions. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Project Yellow Light noise and the ad council chris domine is a husband and a father chris is an athlete chris is even an iron man but 10 years ago chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing basically the doctor said if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis you, you are going to die fortunately chris received a second chance at life made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes from loss of hope to hope to better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors. People of every age and ethnicity because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Bruce Dumont back. Thanks very much for joining us. Last week, of course, uh, in a party line vote, the House Judiciary Committee uh, voted uh, two articles of impeachment against the president. The full House will vote uh, this coming week. And in addition to that story, uh, the long-awaited IG report, Michael Horwitz's look into uh, the origins of, uh, of the investigation into Donald Trump also came out. And uh, your reaction to that report, was that exactly what you were looking for, or was there too much uh, um, split news for I mean, you as a Republican? The IG report is a little bit like a Rorschach test, and you get to see a little bit what you want. However, I can tell you that there are certain things that people have claimed that are categorically false, um, like uh, former director Comey saying that he was vindicated. When Hor uh, IG Horowitz said, nobody who touched this is anywhere close to vindicated. Right. 
Uh, Comey was even backpedaling this morning on Chris Wallace because he went from saying, oh, I think the idea that FISA abuse happened is ridiculous to saying, well, you know, there was some sloppiness, right? So he already knows he's in hot water. I'm glad it's out there because it has shown what a circus this has been over the past three years of rumor and innuendo driving a, a political investigation. Scott Hibbert, how do you see uh, it? Okay, so first of all, let's go back to the report. Uh, the first things is it said um, the core argument was that the opening of the investigation was lawful and legitimate. There's no deep state conspiracy. All of the hoopla around that um, is just not true. Um, in terms of like bias, um, they um, the FBI was resolved was absolved of that. And one things that came out is one, one thing that one bias. things that came up is there was actually a lot of anti-Hillary uh, sentiment within among the FBI agents who were involved in these investigations as well. So it there was no it it was it wasn't a vindication of the way in which the FISA process operated. It wasn't a vindication of many of the, the mechanics of, of the but process. Seventeen but, but significant terms, right. inaccuracies right. or omissions. Right. Right. But, but I think I think, I think what you need deal. to keep in mind is if the reason why they opened uh, this investigation is because Donald Trump has had relationships with um, uh, members of the Russian mafia going back to the 1990s. They've been laundering money through his casinos and his apartments. And, um, and when the Fusion GPS first started investigating, this is the opposition research group, there were former Wall Street Journal investigative reporters. When they started investigating it on behalf of a conservative foundation that was concerned about uh, Trump's participation in the uh, Republican primary, they started piecing this all together. And they're like, oh, my God, this guy has... Um, has all kinds of ties to Russia, and then as and then once the DNC hacking starts happening and Russia is behind that, that's when they turn to the FBI and said, "Hey, you need to look <clears throat> into this. This is out of our league." So I, 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 want, I want to ask our Republicans a question: If a foreign nation is somehow engaged in conversations or relationship building with someone who's running for president of the United States. Let's take this current situation. So like let's, a former MI5 officer. Let's just, let's just put all that in the background. Uh -huh. this, is a, this is a what if. If all that was happening and you or agents of the government or the news media thought that something was smelly, wouldn't you go to the FBI? Wouldn't that be the first place you would go as the number one law enforcement agency, certainly in this country, that's where you would go to begin an investigation into allegations that something was rotten and well, you're, stinky you're, out I mean, there. You're, you're asking, I mean, the, the world doesn't need another wannabe pundit talking about the details of the IG report. Um, but as far as smelliness in D.C. and smelliness of campaign, yeah. if you want to report everything that stinks... You'll, you'll be reporting till the cows come home. Right. Okay. I look at the IG report as more from an organizational behavior problem. I, I'm, I'm not criticizing point by point like Scott Cannon does. I'm saying the FBI as a culture will protect its own and will massage and nudge things into a template that protects the institution. That's not because they're the FBI. It's because they have this internal bureaucracy that whose purpose is to protect itself. Right. And they can slap themselves on the wrist and then go do it again. That's fine. I get that. Yeah. That's how I look at it. 
And and, I, I would agree with that. I, Jeff, I, no, and I would agree with that. I, I think the, the telling thing is that since the, the FISA court was founded in 1979, it has something like a 99% uh, grant rate of, of getting, giving out warrants, okay? And the charges against the Trump campaign or these four individuals in the Trump campaign were so rock solid that the FBI needed to actually tamper with evidence in order to get it to be passed. That, that tells you all you need to know right there. I mean, and that's IG Hor. This is not me saying this. This is IG Horowitz saying it that uh, an FBI lawyer changed omitted stuff, exculpatory evidence from the FISA campaign, which speaks to the institutional abuse, which I completely agree with. You cannot have the FBI investigating itself. There need to be serious consequences here. And if the Democrats were not blinded by Donald Trump, they would agree with the, the systematic abuses that, it, yeah. that are uncovered. Yeah, um, I agree with a lot of what everyone is saying as far as it governing itself. Um, I think every organization has its problems with kind of people just getting out of line, I guess, you know, and not really following um, the ethics and the code of conduct that they're supposed to be following in, um, within. Um, but I will say, um, you know, everyone likes to bring up the, the struck the Peter Strzok text and all that stuff. Um, this report, if I'm not mistaken, also uncovered texts that were like pro-Trump, talking about watching people squirm and just being really excited. So when I look at this, I look at it incredibly objectively from the point that the FBI uh, seems to be broken internally to some extent. And I don't agree. I, I agree with you as far as like it's it's messed up that they faked the information necessary to get the FISA warrant That's not granted. messed up. That with would be criminal. That should I, be criminal. I, it is criminal. I, it should be, and it, it should be taken care of. Derek, all, yeah. all of the coverage of all of the emails involving Peter Strzok and Lisa Page mm -hmm. and, and, and Orr and his wife as mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. working at GPS, yeah. all, of that, all of that which has been out there for well over a year, I think a lot of conservatives could probably quote every one of those emails. Yep. Only in Washington, D.C. can a, a inspector general look at all those things and say he saw no political bias. <laughs> because nobody, nobody beyond the beltway, nobody beyond the beltway believes that. I think it was because that. he saw Bruce, from both why, sides. For, forget yeah. the politics of it. That's why... The, the biggest thing Trump has going for him in the fall of 2020 is the people see that D.C. is not serious about anything other than political vendettas. Right. Yes. We talked so, about or covering their ass. Okay. Yeah. Covering their ass. We talked about trillion plus deficits that are now <coughs> that are now structurally embedded, and we can't get you. You'll put people to sleep if you try to bring that up. Okay, two things. I, I want to come back to deficits because that's enormously important. But let's keep in mind that. The FBI involved itself in a significant way in the 2016 election and changed the outcome of the election. They were very much involved in Hillary's emails, and they announced in James Comey 10 days before the, um, uh, the uh, election Orange. day, announced that they were reopening that so uh, investigation. It's your, because so of Anthony it's your position that Comey so swung the election? changed the, the changed tenor it? in the last okay. 10 days of the election. Okay. So... When people start talking about the deep state conspiracy against Trump, you know, keep in mind there was two investigations going on. One was in, carried out in public. One was carried out in private. Just keep that in perspective. I'm talking. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about gross misconduct, ineptitude on the part of the FBI. And that's the, the F best. Possible the FBI, spin. in my view, has done more disservice than service to this country in the last 25 years. Back shortly.
a new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From bandstand to gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. Experience the pure holiday magic of Goodman Theater's A Christmas Carol. For over four decades, the heartwarming story of Scrooge's discovery of kindness and empathy has enchanted more than a million theatergoers of all ages. The Chicago Tribune calls it a beloved holiday tradition that tugs at all the right heartstrings. Performances run November 16th through December 29th only. Get tickets for A Christmas Carol today at goodmantheater.org. Chris Dumont back. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, following up on my comment at the end of the last segment, uh, I want to highly recommend the new film, Richard Jewell. It's the latest uh, from Clint Eastwood. Uh, if you've not seen it, I would totally recommend that you go out and see it. Uh, and it, it is the story of Richard Jewell, who was uh, accused uh, uh, erroneously by the FBI, by the news media, being responsible for the 1996 Olympic bombing in, uh, in Atlanta. Uh, it's, it's, a, it, it's a scary movie. It's scary because you see how the Federal Bureau of Investigation, working with local news media, completely frame this guy. They frame him. They destroy his life. And again, when you look at, when you look at that M.O., you see examples. I mean, you see examples of, of, of Carter Page, of, of others that the FBI and the Department of Justice have destroyed. These are names that we know. We, these are names in the news now. But again, the Richard Jewell story capsulizes in a very dramatic way and a great storytelling by Clint Eastwood. Go see the movie because it's about this, this relationship between a corrupt FBI agent. This is one of the bad apples. You know, we always hear when something like, well, you know, Peter struck it was this, just a few bad apples. I say BS. It isn't just a few bad apples. It's a few truckloads of bad apples. And again, whether it's the way that they handled the anthrax investigation, how they completely screwed up the 9-11, the information about 9-11 before it happened. I mean, the, the abuses of power. You talk about abuses of power and abuses of Congress, of, of, of J. Edgar Hoover for decades. Mm -hmm. And then you got him. And then, you know, he's vying now with James Comey as one of the most disgraceful directors of the FBI. And by the way, I'm going to repeat something that we had uh, several years ago. We had a Republican-appointed Deputy United States Attorney and a, Repu and a Democrat. Patrick Cotter is the Democrat uh, that we had on the program. And the focus of that program is, what do you do? What should you do if you get a knock on your door from the FBI? And each of them said, don't open the door. Right. <laughs> Don't and talk. call your lawyers. Because what, what you will see in this film is that when they went to talk to Richard Jewell, they did not read him his Miranda rights. And then they tried a cockamamie scheme to pretend like they read him his Miranda rights. They didn't do it. And experiences that I'm aware of when FBI has talked to people, 
They don't read them their Miranda rights all the time. So if, if you fell in love with the FBI because of J. Edgar Hoover and you loved him in the 60s and 70s because he was a communist fighter, that's, that's one reason. That's one chapter of FBI and what they do and, and, and what they do. But again, go see the movie. It's devastating. I recommend it highly. Let's take calls. Brian, go ahead. You're on the air. You're listening to us on YouTube. Go ahead. Hey, Bruce. Great show. Thank uh, you. My question is, um, now that Bloomberg is in the race, uh, what effect does the panel think that will have on the election? Okay, uh, let's. Uh, I'm going to let everybody respond to that, but let me let me go to a poll. This is of uh, primary voters. This is among Democratic primary voters. We're going to take a look at just one graph right now. Uh, Joe Biden is in first place at 30 percent. This is national. Bernie Sanders slipped back into second place at 20 percent. Elizabeth Warren a significant drop at 14 percent. Pete Buttigieg is at 7%, and although he's been in the race for only two weeks, Michael Bloomberg is at 5% in the national polls. Now, let's get everybody's response. We'll start with you, Scott Hibbard. Um, uh, Michael Bloomberg, how serious uh, is he or should well, he he's, be? Well, he's serious because he's got money. And, you know, money. In the media. Well, money and, and organization. Uh, money buys organization. I really wish he would have uh, endorsed somebody like Amy Klobuchar because he's going to take, he's basically going to pull her support from her, from her base. But, um, but I think, um, I think, you know, she's got, uh, she's got a ground game in, in um, Iowa that uh, Bloomberg doesn't have. And running a lot of ads in Iowa is not going to win you the, um, uh, the caucuses. Is she your favorite? Uh, she's up there. Um, I actually, I really like her. Why do you think she has not taken off? Because uh, she's a Midwesterner and a centrist, and um, you know, in the primary process, people love you know the more radical and the, the more left you are in the primary process, you know, the more um, uh, the more tension you get. And and she's competing for the center lanes with people like Joe Biden, who's got a lot of um, um, a lot of fundraising capability. Dirk Ennis. Uh yeah. So uh, I could totally have done without him, as I'm sure most people would feel the same way. <laughs> Uh, not that 5%, though. Um, but uh, positive, I see, is so I'm a Sanders supporter. And as a Sanders supporter, obviously, we all know that he rolls against billionaires and big money, right? So what better way to bring light to that than to literally run against a billionaire in this fashion? Um, I think that one of the positives is he's going to chip away at all the other centrist or entrenched candidates, uh, their voting base. So Biden will start moving down a little bit because I believe some Biden supporters will go to Bloomberg. Um, Klobuchar, I've never really seen her as a threat. Um, and, you know, so I think that can kind of only help Bernie in the long run. By, a Fox you know. News poll, by the way, uh, these are a candidate, uh, how people feel about the candidates and their stands on the issue. These are those that think that the candidate that they're for is they're basically right on the issue. Joe Biden is at 64 percent. Pete Buttigieg is at 56 percent. This is Elizabeth Warren at 53 percent. Bernie Sanders at 49 percent and Michael Bloomberg at 47 percent. This is how candidates feel about the issues that these candidates have taken. And I, I guess the one thing I keep hearing about Joe Biden is that, and by the way, we have rarely, even though we've looked for them, when we have Democrat guests, none of them are, at least in Chicago, they're not, they're not very enthusiastic about Joe Biden. The news media has been trying to write off Joe Biden from day one. 
But Joe Biden seems to be hanging in there. He's got staying power. It, it depends, it depends like on what poll you look at. And so, again, at, at, to Jeff's credit, I'd like to see the back end of how this poll was conducted and who was actually polled. Because, you know, like a real clear politics uh, poll that just came out shows Bernie Sanders handily beating Trump in a general election by six points now. What, what, does, Biden do? what does Biden do? Uh, he, does, he beats him by like would maybe you one or agree, two points. Would you agree? Since not, I'm going to have someone left of center yeah. give an opinion of the news media now. Yeah, I'll, I'll would definitely. You, would yeah. you would you agree that the national news media has not been very fair to Joe Biden? Oh uh, no. Well, I no. I think they for some reason they 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 continue to show him in like the most positive light and all of the gaffes and everything that he has. They just kind of like mull over them and they're making the conversation not so much about Biden still being at at the top as much as it's about Pete Buttigieg is moving up or um, Warren is doing this this Scott, week. Scott, what do you think of the treatment of Joe Biden? Has it been fair by the national media? Media. Um, well, insofar as he's, uh, he's still a front runner, I mean, I think yeah. they've been treating him pretty well. Um, you know, I, mean, I think the argument's really made that, uh, that um, Sanders is not taken as seriously as he should be. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, let's hear from Bloomberg? our Republicans. Let's go back to, go ahead. Get back to Bloomberg. Yeah, sure. Um, this is a head scratcher for me because he typically doesn't do things that he's in which he's not convinced himself he will prevail, win. Mm-hmm. Um, ton of money. Very smart, experienced, but because he's had to unpack his previous actions and kind of embrace an ideology today, he mm. comes off as more of a technocrat and a manager than an ideologically driven leader. And the fact that he's got his personality is kind of lacking. Mm. <laughs> I, I think that uh, it's an interesting play to take – um, a New Yorker with net unfavorables uh, who is a billionaire to run him against a New Yorker with net unfavorables who is a billionaire. So he does bring the media empire to him, right, which is actually kind of playing into Trump's hands about the fake news. Um, so I think he actually takes a lot of Trump's negatives away or at least neutralizes them um, without bringing a lot of positives himself. Now, it's interesting because if you actually look at the technocracy that happened under Bloomberg, he is one of the most ardent fighters against um, an individual's right to bear arms and has actually implemented policies restricting that. But stop and frisk is a thing that blew up on the left, and now he has to defend himself. So if you actually look at, you know, an example of a, of a Democrat who is going to be center left, who's going to be a good technocrat and actually implement solutions, you'd get Bloomberg. But because he's five years behind the time in the culture wars, if, he'll never get out of the primary. If he was on the ticket, if he was the Democratic nominee, are you worried that he would pull a lot of Republican votes to him in a general election? No. No. Nobody. I, I he, think, sorry, say, say that again. Uh, if Bloomberg were the Democratic nominee, would he be uh, attractive to a lot of Republicans? Yeah, I think so. Because they would say that he would be an alternative yeah. to Donald Trump. Yeah, I, I think. Oh. That, I, 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 think I would so. say I would say no, um, but I, Bernie Sanders is that person that you're talking about. He is the one who speaks to both sides of the political sphere because of people people's most desired thing right now is they worry about health care. I think Bloomberg's he's potential the one who's really looking is to, to, to that. keep keep soft Democrats home. That's, ask, that's the value ask, there. Uh, Kenton, uh, uh, a question. If Donald Trump ran against Bernie Sanders 
and the campaign became a knockdown, drag out discussion between capitalism and socialism. democratic socialism. Thank you. Do you think the Republicans would win that battle at the poll? At this point, yeah. Do you? I think there's an uncomfortable amount of crossover vote of people who voted for Bernie in the primary and and Trump in the general last cycle. But given that Trump is now a known thing, I'm confident that that, that the Republicans would win that argument. I think, I, well, think, we I think the UK vote kind of gives the, the tailwinds to the Republicans. And we're going to come back and talk about that and Boris Johnson when we continue. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight. The economy is not working for everybody, especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require e-verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA because numbers Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives like physical therapy to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thanks very much for joining us uh, wherever you are from coast to coast. Again, don't forget our GoFundMe campaign. If you have not yet uh, thought of keeping this program alive and well in 2020, uh, it costs money to do it. We need some help to do it. And again, GoFundMe.com. And again, uh, as I said, I think last week, you know, it's always nice to go on there and see you know, names that you know. That's always nice to see. But it's even more fun to see names that you don't know. People who are listeners, they write little notes about what they like about sh the show or how long they've been listening to the show, watching the show, and uh, supportive of our, our uh, effort here to be as fair and balanced as we possibly can in very combustible times. So again, to those people who've taken the time, whether you're writing or donating $25 or $100, doesn't make any difference what the amount is. Again, uh, just going to GoFundMe.com and looking up Beyond the Beltway is something that would be very appreciated. Uh, other big news last week, Boris Johnson, yeah, Boris. Conservative Party, biggest landslide victory in decades. Yeah. Your reaction to that, um, Well, a couple of things. Uh, first off, um, uh, it, was, it really was about Brexit, and uh, the, uh, the uh, Labor Party was trying to make it about everything else, um, and all people wanted to talk about was Brexit. And they had a very mu uh, muddled view or a muddled uh, position, um, whereas the uh, Tories had a very clear position, get Brexit done. Um, there was also an enormous amount of disinformation on social media, which was uh, kind of shocking. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, you know, you can't beat something with nothing. And Jeremy Corbyn really offered nothing as an alternative, and um, and Labor got hammered. Is there a lesson to be learned by Democrats in 2020? I think there's two lessons. Uh, one is uh, don't pull way far left and think you're going to capture you know the center because uh, the center is just not there. And it was kind of interesting, particularly in those working class neighborhoods um, that you know that went Tory. 
Um, you know, they want they want big government, they want X, Y, and Z, but uh, at the end of the day, they're not very socialist, they're very nationalist. And so the, the immigration issue was, was uh, yeah. kind of core to, the, to that, uh, that narrative. But the other thing that I, w I would say is um, people were tired of Brexit and they wanted to get beyond Brexit. And that was part of the appeal of, of uh, Johnson is that the Tories are going to like put this behind us. I think that, you know, the, one of the lessons that uh, the Republicans ought to be wary of is if there's going to be a, any fatigue in the 2020 cycle, it's going to be fatigue, it's going to be Trump fatigue. And so, um, so they should you know, not read too much into, uh, into the outcome of uh, this that's, election. That's a good point because a disruptor can only disrupt so long. Yep. Right. right. I think one of the things that came out of uh, the U.K. was that you, you can ignore nationalism and populism at your own peril. I think it's here to stay. There's, this is why I keep going back to culture. There's, there's pushback. Cultures can and do push back. And this idea that we're going to go back to a centralized bureaucracy to solve these things when the will of the people, what, for three years now, have, has been ignored – and they do, they do want to pass them. They, want, they, they don't want to be held accountable to Brussels any longer. What do you, uh, Derek, tell us why you are for Bernie Sanders. So, um, you know, I, I've said this before. I, I mean, he just, <clears throat> when you listen to, when I listen to him talk, and from what I hear a lot of other people saying, it's like this person actually genuinely cares about my well-being and the well-being of everyone else around him, right? And so when you look at the policies that he wants to enact, I mean, he doesn't speak from a, a blue, a red, a left, a right. He literally just says, for the people. You know, when you look at his track record, I mean, this individual over the past 40 some odd years, um, politically and, and as an activist, has been on the right side of history. Um, and you can't say that for a lot of uh, people who are vying to be the president of the United States, let alone to be, you know, the city alderman or something. What's his right? biggest, so, what's so, his biggest what, congressional? Is, and, or so, when he, when he honeymooned in what the has, Soviet what Union? Is, what has mean, been, is that the right side of history? Been, me, yeah. What has been his biggest congressional victory in 40 years? Um, so he, uh, it, was a, it was a veterans uh, VA funding bill recently, uh, it was a couple years ago. And, and, and if you look at a lot of his track record, a lot of it's bipartisan. So we're talking about the polarization of, of D.C. now, right? And that's true. It's, it's gone way left and way right, and there's no middle ground anymore. You know, the, the time of, uh, of passing legislation, you know, in the 80s with, like, bipartisan support and all that stuff, that doesn't happen anymore, right? But, but voting, voting, voting to support veterans is not exactly a defining profile in courage. Well, Especially I would, if you're talking I would about say bipartisan. It's a testament, I would say it's a testament to his viability as someone who can get things done on both <clears> sides <throat> of the fence. I mean, he's not... He's not. He's always been an independent, and he's always been able to to converse and enact legislation with both sides of the field. Are there other examples of that? So, he has. Uh, I don't have him off the top of my head right now. So, I could, the one thing I'll say about Bernie Sanders is he does connect with people. Oh yeah. And um, and one of the things that came out in this in the uh, uh, British election is uh, you know people kind of like. Uh, Boris Johnson. Uh, I mean, they find many of them seem as cartoonish or buffoonish or whatever. But you know, but he there's a sense that you know he gets it, and he's going to be a disruptor. Whereas Jeremy Corbyn was aloof, and I think that uh, the one thing that Sanders really has going for him is that ability to connect, particularly with working people, in a way that's you know that's going to so be there, helpful. So there, there are two main takeaways from um, the the recent British elections. The first is Twitter is not real life. Um, and because if you looked at the Twitter sphere, it was like, oh, my God, uh, Labor's going to win in a landslide instead of having the worst <clears throat> defeat since Thatcher was originally elected. 
Um, the second is Jeremy Corbyn was a complete millstone around uh, Labor's neck because of his um, anti-Semitic uh, um, uh, comments in the past, for his refusal to, to condemn the IRA, for his public appearances with the IRA. It was 100 percent about Corbyn. And it's similar to what the Democrats did in 2016, where they put an unlikable figurehead against somebody who is kind of likable, and who knows, maybe this guy's a bit of a uh, of a rascal. And and he, and he does lie all the time. But beyond that, you know. I, okay, I mean, but but again, it's look at look at the similarities to 2016. There are protests out in the street of London. Not my prime minister. Sorry, man, he kind of so, is. And just for what it's worth, um, at least my Twitter feed was projecting a uh, Tory victory because Labor was just so. I would deeply commend divided. you for not being in the bubble. And, then. Um, but uh, you know, nobody expected the, the landslide that came out. And I'm, but I think part of it is because uh, you know the Liberal Democrats pulled a lot out of the out away from Labor, and the um, and Scottish Nationalist Party pulled away you, from Labor. But if you look at <clears throat> if you look at the right side, um, <clears throat> Boris blo- uh, boxed <clears throat> out the Brexit Party, right? And there were no people pulling for his votes from the right, and yet. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn was far left and still not far enough for the Liberal Democrats, that the chair of which who even lost her own seat. I think Scott was correct when he initially said that this is the British people got tired of the Brexit being ignored and they wanted to get past it. <clears throat> and they kind of dismissed everything else. Yeah. I want to go back to, because you are uh, from Arizona, you flew in uh, uh, to be with us this evening. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Arizona politics because my first question is, do you believe that in 2020, Arizona is likely to be a significant battleground state uh, in the Electoral College? Yes, and and others do as well. Uh, Chuck Todd is spending money, uh, spending time there. Um, George Soros is spending a lot of money there. Bloomberg launched his campaign in Arizona. One of the reasons is you've got, thankfully, we're rid of both McCain and Flake, which Mm. I think is both good for the country and Arizona. Mm -hmm. Um, And you've got a pivotal campaign between McSally and uh, Kelly. If there's there's one Senate seat that's going to get flipped in 2020, I think it's going to be Arizona. Okay. And what about uh, you have good things to say about the incumbent Democrat senator, uh, Senator Cinema. Uh, my prediction is uh, Kirsten Cinema will probably be the first female president of the U.S. And why do you say that? Uh, she's she's figured out how to be a politician. She's smart. She's strategically uh, has a long vision of things. She doesn't get pulled into the day to day conflicts. She's not strident like <clears> she was <throat> when she was in the state house. She's uh, She's built a brand. She knows how to do it. And I disagree with a good bulk of what she believes in. But she's cagey. And Hollywood calls it the Q quotient, how, how likable you mm-hmm. are. She is likable. <laughs> a likable? And, she is, and she's she's likable. Which goes a long way. She's, she's, which, yes. go, which does go a long way. Yeah. And it doesn't get you in the weeds about policy differences. You just like her. Especially who, considering she's she's taken some more conservative positions <clears throat> than Jeff Flake <clears throat> even would have, which <clears throat> is very interesting to well, watch. What's the, the, the tough point for Senator Sinema is going to be when she gets a tough vote in front of her, like a Supreme Court justice or an impeachment. And so far, she has stayed 
miles away from those. She doesn't even mention it. Are you, you know, there's been talk about who are the Republicans who are most likely to maybe jump ship uh, and vote for impeachment. Uh, not much has been said of Democrat senators that might go the other way, other than Joe Manchin. Are, are there, could she be a vote against imp conviction in the Senate? Yes. Okay. Any other names you want to throw on the uh, pile? Susan Collins. Susan Maine. Collins, right. Just gonna be a tough I, one. No, I think the Corey Kavanaugh. The, I think the Kavanaugh hearings, <laughs> she's, like, threw that she, out. <laughs> no, she, I'm, she made her bed and she's lying in it now. No, I, it showed that there is no the Democrats will give no quarter, and there is no longer the Senate that she grew up in where there can be a reasonable middle. And so, if she goes out by herself, she's going to be left alone by herself. The Democrats will not come to her rescue. She will not stick her neck out like that. So only three votes? What about Cory Gardner in, in Colorado? That's the only other name. We all think that, I, Gardner, that Romney will Romney, be one vote, okay? Yes. Gar Gardner absolutely has a tough race on his hands uh, this cycle. I, I do think not think that... Burkowski likes being uh, irreverent, and she likes being that outsider. I can see that going. An impeachment, Burkowski, and yeah. a vote for impeachment by a Republican gains them nothing electorally, because the Democrats who hated them will hate them as, as they did before, and the Republicans who would have potentially turned out will abandon them. Yeah, but it might be the death knell for uh, Susan Collins. we got to pause. 1-800-723-8029. One more segment. Don't go away. from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cyndi Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From bandstand to gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. Experience the pure holiday magic of Goodman Theatre's A Christmas Carol. For over four decades, the heartwarming story of Scrooge's discovery of kindness and empathy has enchanted more than a million theatergoers of all ages. The Chicago Tribune calls it a beloved holiday tradition that tugs at all the right heartstrings. Performances run November 16th through December 29th only. Get tickets for A Christmas Carol today at goodmantheatre.org. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thanks very much for joining us. Um, the president has said that he would like a, uh, a, a long trial. He's not worried about a long trial uh, in the Senate. Mitch McConnell has said he'd like to have a quick trial, get it over with as quickly as possible. The president has even hinted that maybe he wants to testify at the, uh, at the trial uh, in the Senate uh, next uh, year. Uh, your reaction? Should this be... Uh, Jeff, as a, as a Republican, you want Donald Trump to uh, win re-election. Sure. Is it better for Donald Trump to have a, you know, a, an elongated, uh, you know, showcase for his his position, or uh, should you get it over with as quickly as possible? So I think uh, what I was saying during the break is that the Democrats are realizing the Republicans get a turn, right? So the the months of hearings between Nadler and Schiff and the circus acts that those have been. Uh, like there, there's going to be uh, an ability to present alternative ev evidence that discredits all of that. Um, of course, Mitch McConnell is going to go on record saying that he wants it done quickly because 
if he said he wanted it done slowly, that would kind of be giving away the game. Um, what about if he refused to call it? I that would be he, a big mistake. He's, I mean, that would constitutionally he can't right now. How do you resolve that? And do you resolve that before the 2016 or the 2020 election? No, because it would have to involve the Supreme Court. And I don't know how that would actually work out. But constitutionally, he's required to do it in in an amount of of due haste, I think. Um, So so there's no likelihood that he just doesn't do it. Tenton. I I disagree. I'll tell you why. Um, I study Aikido. And one of the sayings is there's no such thing as revenge but there's my turn the idea this idea that gets floated that the republicans would ever do anything like this they always say that so it's not going to happen the democrats know it so there's no use threatening them with it what i think the, the the upside to this for trump by extending it is shows how unserious and corrupt dc is this is not speaking to the legal components that Scott likes to cite, which is fine, but this has now transcended legalities. It is a political food fight, and it's only going to get settled at the ballot box, and the more it's pointed out to the people, the more they see it, the more they're either going to ignore it and pull the lever for Trump. But will they see, in, in your opinion, will, if, if the president decides to testify... First of all, I would predict the ratings will be higher than ever Absolutely. before. He should not testify. You don't think he should testify? <laughs> let's not, let's, let's not talk <laughs> legally. Let's talk. You think Correct. politically? I'm, I'm he talking. Shouldn't I'm, testify. I, would I think, think it would he be should. Brilliant. I, I don't know. I think. I think I there's. Think well, okay. yeah, there's a lot of stuff Democrats. that goes out the window once you're under oath. So, so, let's so first things first. Um, it will be short because the longer it goes on, the more. How long is short? Sorry. If they could shut it down in one day, they would do it. So you think it'll Mitch be McConnell, said he wanted to Mitch shut McConnell? Mitch McConnell will railroad it. He'll get it. He will minimize debate. He'll he, guide it. He does. He does so not like, want. He does not want anything coming out. He doesn't want anything discussed. And um, and to that end, there will be no testimony. Uh, not because it wouldn't be smart politically, but there are very real legal issues. And if Trump gets up there and starts talking, he's going to perjure himself. And that's that, why he had many times. He had that's many. What happened to Clinton? He had many opportunities yeah. to speak to the Mueller, you know, Mueller inquiry. He had any number here's, of people. Here's people were here's, here's where I think that, to you, that fails. The, you talk about the legal issues, but the legal institution that we've relied upon to guide us in the last 10, 15 years was as is as corrupt as you suggested. Which institution were you talking about? I'm talking about the FBI. The FBI is yet another institution that has failed its citizenry. And people no longer have trust and faith in it to execute its powers appropriately. And yet when you bring that subject up, because the the FBI used to be a favorite of Republicans, when Republicans in the last couple of years have brought those deficiencies up, the Democrats, who usually have been opposed to a lot of their I agree. practices, I agree. certainly the, the we activities. Had, we had they, the church, they, you remember the church, the church committee. Absolutely. It is actually kind of now, ironic now the that church, uh, the church decide. commission, if you, you couldn't do that today because the same people that, that vilified the CIA in the 70s, late 70s, are now the first ones to self-halo any yeah. CIA analyst who, who agrees with them politically. Yes. So th- there is there is an irony that it took Donald Trump to get liberal Democrats to defend the FBI. I mean, no, that's not <laughs> that's lost true. on me. So. <laughs> but again, the question is, I, I don't think they would I don't think they would necessarily want to do that during a political campaign. 
I mean, if 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 part of the the debate of Joe Biden and and his support in the black community, do you think African American Democrats want to be going out there defending J. Edgar Hoover and his com and his his assault? against Dr. Martin Luther King? Yeah. Do you want that to be part of a, of, of a Democratic primary season? I would say, you know, this is a, st bring it on. Let's, let's let it all hang out there. But you're not going to have Democrats that are going to want to do that. So one of the underappreciated no. things here is that the, the Senate needs to actually be present while, yes. while testimony and evidence is given, which includes three of the, the Democrat frontrunners. Why would Mitch McConnell not want to pull them off the campaign trail. Yes, he would. Right? I mean, that's why the, the whole idea that this will be short and to the point doesn't really make a ton of political sense. Can, to you, have a um, can you have a trial in the Senate without bringing up Hunter Biden or calling him to testify? Absolutely not. You say absolutely not? You can't have a, this a legitimate is, trial. You cannot have it without Hunter And this is what I mean about that the Republicans get a turn. Because what do you think, now guys? we get to see the other side. It, does, it doesn't matter because there's no there there. And um, if they really want to pull this out, there's there's a lot to incriminate. Rudy Giuliani, uh, Donald Trump, that whole thing. Okay. On that moment of disagreement, I want to thank our guest, <laughs> Scott Hibbard. Thank you very much. And uh, Derek Addis, thank you very much for being with us this evening. On the Republican side, we've had Kenton McCarthy and we've had Jeffrey Hom. Thank you all for being with us. Hector Pacho, Pacheco has been helping us this week. Did I get it right? Pacheco. 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 Okay, thank you very much. And Fritz Goldman, nice easy name. Fritz Goldman, remember, thank you all. I'm Bruce Dumont. Until next week, this is Bruce Dumont, as I just said. Good night from Chicago. someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. The economy is not working for everybody, especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require e-verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA, because numbers 
account. GTG, BRB, OMW, be there in a few. You may think that these kinds of texts are fine because of their length, and you can easily send them at a stoplight. But no, answering one text can take your attention away from the road for five seconds. And traveling at 55 miles an hour, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Make good decisions. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. Chris Domine is a husband and a father. Chris is an athlete. Chris is even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing. Basically, the doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis, you, you are going to die. Fortunately, Chris received a second chance at life, made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes from loss of hope to hope to better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors, people of every age and ethnicity, because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. 